Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Conservative. Patriot. Common sense. This is the Jane Carroll Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Carroll Show. We're starting off the uh, show tonight with a very interesting guest. He's, he's written a book. It's called Hit It Off, 21 Rules for Mastering the Art and Science of Relationships in Life and Business. His name is Joe Bricado. And boy, do I think we need this book right now, I, especially young people who are having a hard time communicating with each other. Everything's over social media. There's a lot of bullying. And this is this book has a lot of positive, practical ideas for how to be successful in interpersonal relationships in in all aspects of life. So I, I'm real eager to have him on. Thanks, Joe, for coming on. Jane, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's, let's tell you about this book and who's Who's it directed at? It seems to be a business-oriented book, but I think it really applies to just about everybody. It really, it really does apply to everyone. Um, I did a lot of scientific research around some of the intuitive things that are in the book that I call rules, but these are fairly common-sense intuitive things, but unfortunately, we don't think about them all the time, and we don't use them strategically in our interpersonal dynamic. And so the science really transcends the type of relationship. It transcends age. It applies to both uh, our personal relationships and our business relationships. So there's a lot to really harness to help us hit it off with someone from the moment we meet them, and then developing a long-term emotional connection to really maximize the likelihood of achieving whatever goal we have for that relationship. Yeah, and, and you give some very practical advice. It seems, and, and I'm certainly not the first person to observe this, that in this post-COVID era, a lot of the things that you emphasize in your book are sort of been forgotten. People are not, well, people don't go to work. They, they you know, they go on social media to, to, with friends. When they're with their friends, they're on their phones, texting other people and or even texting each other and many people are very concerned that particularly the younger generations are just not ready to communicate effectively and have relationships with people in business or in personal relationships they're just so self-involved well it's really interesting because you know younger generations are getting into the workforce and the science shows that 85% of our success on the job is our relationship skills and only 15% of our success on the job is our technical skills and knowledge and i believe with the advent of artificial intelligence that 15% is going to go down making that 85% go up which really emphasizes the critical importance of really developing 
and practicing these skills in the workplace and certainly outside the workplace. But younger generations really do need to remember how important these people skills, I call them power skills. Some people have called them soft skills. I call them power skills. And I think it's really important to understand the science. There's over 100 footnotes in the book, but it really emphasizes the efficacy of these rules to really help us maximize our success. Yeah, I think you do that quite well. And, and often in ways that you don't hear or read in other places, you, you've you got quite an extensive background in all of this. And one of the, the topics that we wanted to call our attention when we, when we booked you on the show was your topic about uh, immigrants see America dreams mm-hmm. slipping away to, and and they're opting for Mexico instead. Some of them have come here and decided to go back to either go to Mexico as an option. And is that because Americans have become so antisocial or Americans are frustrated with the impact that over 7 million illegal immigrants have had on our, our culture, our, our jobs, our taxes, and think being an American is is an honor and you should have to do it legally so they're not all that gracious to to immigrants. Not people that are legal, but people who are not. This is going to be a very interesting phenomenon. Um, you know, there have been reports recently about, I think you alluded to this, people you know, not wanting to really come here and stay in Mexico. And, um, you know, if they decide to do that, God bless. But I think that that's a small fraction of the people who are getting across the border illegally. And frankly, all the people from around the world that want to come to the United States, they recognize that this is the greatest country in the world. Um, Our framers got it right. And while we are an imperfect nation in many, many ways, we have the best judicial system, the best system of um, uh, laws and, you know, really how to get results from our hard work, from personal responsibility. We have the best economic system, capitalism in the world. And sometimes, you know, we forget as Americans, if we were born here, we're all pretty much, you know, sons and daughters of immigrants. But if we were born here, sometimes it's really tough to remember how good we have it. And frankly, there have been, you know, some articles written about how <clears throat> um, Gen Zers and millennials don't feel the American dream is as, as, as attainable to them as it was for perhaps their parents or their grandparents. And I look at that and I say, okay, um, every generation, frankly, has had their obstacles and challenges. If you were born in, you know, the the the, the Great Depression. I mean, you were happy. Your American dream probably was having food on the table. And so every generation has had to redefine and define their American dream. And I believe that with technology and advances in healthcare and the hybrid work environment, that didn't even, work-life balance didn't even exist several years ago. So I think younger generations really do have the world at their fingertips. And I would argue that they're probably as likely as any other generation to realize the quote-unquote pursuit of happiness that our framers really intended because of all these advances in technology, the fact that you can actually have work-life balance or try to have that and focus on your own happiness and your own well-being. So I think they really need to understand that and combine that with this concept of really knowing how to deal with people face-to-face, 
or in any other medium, because the science does transcend medium, whether it's in person relationships, if it's on <clears throat> video conference, email, text, etc. So there's really a contextual approach that you can take, and my book is intended to help people take that approach. Yeah, when I, when I was reading it and looking it over, I was thinking one of the phenomena is, 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 is you, you talk about technology, but there are now are concerts of, of major rock stars and, and some groups that are retiring, that like one just recently, uh, but they're performing that's not them. They're and they're getting big concerts. It, it you're not you go to a concert and you may not see the real people. <laughs> well, you may be referring to Kiss, which um, I am recently <laughs> did their last show right in New York City, right. and I just saw them in Chicago um, recently and watched actually on pay per view their last performance. And I saw at the end they were talking about these artificial intelligence type of performances, AI-generated performances, that um, you're absolutely right. Is that the future? Well, I think bands like KISS certainly have a fan base that if it provides a good show and you – it's kind of like a, going to see a tribute band. You know, it's not the real band, right. but it's as close maybe as you're going to get. That being said, I think the heart of the issue really is human connection. We all, one of our basic human needs, and I note the science in the book, one of our basic human needs is human connection. It's very difficult to connect with AI. It's very difficult to connect with your, with your cell phone. It's very difficult to connect with people who are friends with you on social media that you've never really met before. And I think the deeper and deeper people go down into a hole, and it's easy to say the younger generation, but frankly, we're all really victims to these potential uh, shortcomings in our connection skills. And so we all have to be very careful to maintain that human connection. We do that through really mastering, and I call it mastering. That's really taking total control over your environment when you're in the relationship so you can achieve your goal, but really mastering these skills with people that are outlined in my book. Yeah, and I think and it's a real practical advice. And I think it's, I, I that kind of communication with other human beings is what life is all about. And if you lose that and you replace it with things that are not real, it's, it, you, you, lose, you lose so much. And I think a lot of us did that of all ages during COVID. We were shut in. Uh, we, we got and we, and we were depressed. Because we didn't know it was going to end, we didn't know it was going to do it, and people were getting sick, and we were scared, and the information that came to us was always seemed sort of negative and and frightening, um, and the, the usual ways that you feel better when you're depressed or physically not feeling great, or is is that human connection? But we weren't allowed to do it; we were kept from each other, and I think we're still suffering from the consequences of that. And I think your book deals with well, reasons to overcome it and ways. It, absolutely, 100%. So we actually launched this book on May 1st, and that May of 2023 here was Mental Health Awareness Month. And I firmly believe that the isolation um, that COVID created for really all of us for a prolonged period of time, especially with younger people, um, if not downright just kids, um, the bottom line is none of us really knew how to handle that. And 
you know, there's a crisis in, in this country and frankly around the world in, in the United States, roughly one in five people suffer from anxiety or depression or some other form of mental health issue. Now, that's terrible. I believe, and frankly, it's backed up by a lot of science that the quality of our relationships is directly related to levels of anxiety and depression and, frankly, thoughts of suicide. So I really, really hope that we can get the message out regarding this book to as many people as possible, especially those who have mental health issues and can really use these tools, these rules, if you will, as a toolbox to improve the quality of their relationships, to get out of that isolation mentality, to connect with other people, especially, God forbid, they have thoughts of suicide. Maybe they might be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident reaching out for help. And maybe we can save a life or two or more. No, I, I think and that having optimism and having people who care about you. You can't care about people if you're not with them. And 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 in the same way that you do, if you have a a personal emotional connection with them, it, it's important. It's important in families. It's important in at work. You're not as creative when you're not together. Uh, when you're coming up with ideas, and I think you talk about that quite a bit and hit it off uh, your book. And I, I think it's a tool that needs to be really. Uh, encouraged and used because there's so many business books and how to succeed in business kind of things, mm-hmm. but you get into things that are real life lessons as well. And I think that's a, a powerful tool for people of all ages to read because people are still depressed. I wanted and... Absolutely. And I really wanted the book to be practical. I like books that not only if you can learn something, but you can then start practicing this immediately. At the end of the book, there are a number of exercises relating to each rule that you can start practicing this in real life immediately. And it's only through practice that we can really start developing muscle memory around a lot of these concepts. And these concepts are really our pathway to efficiently achieving success. When I was coming up, I do a lot of business. I'm a lawyer by trade. I've been doing this for more than 31 years. I, I founded and co-founded other businesses. I'm an investor. I deal with thousands of people around the world and have for many, many years. And the only way to really go forward is to go forward as efficiently as possible to achieve your goals. And when I was coming up, and even now, there's a lot of inefficiency and challenges that I had to overcome, especially very early on. So I wanted to create a, a toolbox that people can use to diffuse a lot of the inefficiency, to understand the science. I think that's the reason why we don't really keep all of these things top of mind because we don't know the science that really reinforces the efficacy of these intuitive things that give us really more confidence to go out and actually use them to help us create this efficient pathway to whatever success we want out of life. And, and you talk about this, but it becomes more natural to you. The more you do it and get results, it becomes more part of your persona when you're dealing with other people and you're not having to think about it. It becomes part of who you are, when you, especially when you get positive results. And I think people respond to people who are genuinely interested in them and, and care about them and, and, and want to hear their ideas and, and value each other. I, I, I think that really comes it, out in your it, book it, and it, I think it's, a, it's an important tool. It is very, very important, and I completely agree. And actually, there's a, a rule in the book about care through your actions because you mentioned that the word care. 
people know that you care about them. This is where the book can be very important. We all know that you should care if someone's going through a rough time. You can empathize with them. They suffer a loss in the family, whatever the case might be. We all know that intuitively. However, the science actually says that if you go one step beyond just the caring, the empathy, and actually take a concrete step to show you care, you create what's called in science a perception of social support. People feel, as you mentioned, that you care about them, but it has a heightened response out of them because you've taken that concrete step. Now, we may not have known that before I said it, intuitively, maybe, but now we'll never forget it. And if you keep practicing that, you keep using that strategically and sincerely, because that's the underlying assumption here, has to be very sincere, people are going to have this response to you that you've never seen before. No, and, and you and you'll have you respond to that in yourself as people respond positively to you. You grow and you feel better, and you're happier, and you have more successful relationships and and, and relatives, etc. I, I have to ask you this question. It's, it's certainly not something you've dealt with in your book. One of the issues that many of us and, and we discuss on this show and is the shocking amount of anti-Semitism, particularly in college campuses in this country mm-hmm. I, I we always you know some anti-semitism exists but this is profound and deep and did it surprise you it was shocking and it continues to be shocking to me um and i think that the you know one of there are likely many reasons for this probably way above my pay grade but i believe that there is a fundamental lack of respect and i think we've lost the art of respect in this country and frankly you combine that with the concept of incivility that it's running rampant and it's being um uh emphasized and there's a spotlight on this obviously given the anti-semitism that's going on right now in 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 um uh in 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 in, uh volume that i've never even could have imagined frankly and so we have to remember that everybody demands and deserves respect. And obviously, you know, there are a lot of people right now that are being disrespected. It's coming out in bad ways. Incivility is a, like the common cold, the Harvard Business Review uh, published a report of a study that was done um, that in this case was relating to the workplace. And Uh, 78% of respondents reported witnessing incivility, and that is rudeness, disrespect, or other uh, insensitive behavior. They reported witnessing that once a month. 70% reported witnessing incivility two to three times a month. And now you take it from the workplace, you take it to the street with all the crime that's out there, and all of the political incivility that we see in our own country, sometimes within a particular party or parties. And it's no surprise that it's like a free-for-all at this point. No one cares about civility. No one likes to have uh, reasonable discourse anymore. I think that's going to lead us down a very dark rabbit hole. We see with the anti-Semitism that's going on now, that's got to stop. And people need to respect other people, and that's just not happening right now, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think your your book gives a lot of good ideas on how to do that. And and when you treat people – with dignity and, and concern and care, 
they're going to respond affirmatively. It, you, you can't, even if somebody mm. is a bully, sometimes if you, you treat them back and don't give it back to them, even though it was very tempting to do so, that you can turn things around and you can change a, a culture. And and I think the fact that the, we've been so isolated and we're coming back together, but we're still using all the tools of isolation uh, that we, we've lost a lot of our skills. And your book, Hit It Off, 21 Rules for Mastering the Art of Science of Relationship in Life and Business, is a uh, is a very valuable tool and um i hope you sell a lot of copies me too <laughs> <laughs> i really appreciate that <laughs> yeah. it's a great gift by the way i mean i think it's a great gift for you know your your kids your parents whatever i knocked my microphone there i apologize well, I, um i i appreciate that very much i agree with you and the holidays are coming up so you know love everybody to uh Read a copy if you like it. Buy it for your family and friends. And, um, and I really do think that it can help restore civility and, frankly, make us all happier, which is the 21st rule is about gifting positivity for positive results. So there's a lot here for everybody, and it would make me very happy um, as the author, which is of a course, good thing. to get the message you, out you, as much you, as possible. You, ha you have an audio book, I noticed. And, um, yes. and are you the reader? I am not. I am not. Um, we have a professional sure, narrator, a but great, uh, a it's a great audio book, and I um, encourage everyone who um, loves audio books, and I, and I personally do love them, and it, they become very convenient uh, to listen to in the car or when you're working out or taking a walk um, or doing housework or whatever the case might be. It's a real convenient way these days. It's about about a third or so of people who quote unquote read books actually listen to the audio books. So it's become quite a medium, a popular medium, and we wanted to do something very uh, high end. Uh, my publisher, Imagine the Wonder out of New York, uh, was really instrumental in putting together a great audio book. So uh, thanks for, for uh, acknowledging that. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a nice thing, but, but you have a great voice. I think you'd be a good reader of, a, oh, of an audio book. But you have it on Kindle, you. you have it on hardback. And, and we it's, have it's, a, it's a yep. It's a great book for yourself and anybody you know, and uh, I think it could change some lives. And thank you for coming on. I look forward to the next time. When are you, are you working on anything else? Well, I am tossing ideas around for my next book, and uh, very excited about it. Uh, it's going to require a lot, a lot of work, but uh, I think the topic hopefully will be. Uh, uh, worthwhile and uh, I'm very excited about it so stay tuned for that and thank you so much for having me it's really been a pleasure and an honor to be with you tonight oh it's been a pleasure by the way I want to spell your last name for people it's b-r-o-c-a-t-o when you go to to order it or buy it uh, Merry Christmas well Merry Christmas to you and again thank you so much thank you sir there you have it it's it, it hit it off it's called and and it's good. It's a good book, and I, I think you're gonna you're gonna enjoy having it. In it could change your life. It could change somebody else's life that you know and care about, and it will give you tools that will help you build relationships, regardless of what age you are, what what where you are in life. What maybe you've achieved all the things you really want to do, but you still have family members. You still have friends. You need more friends. We all do. Um, these are these are ways that are creative and come naturally to you if you think about it and, and just do them. <laughs>
They're not hard. They're just human and kind and smart. So um, interesting, interesting times in, in which we indeed do live. Well, um, the things are getting in the presidential race, and um, it's uh, I got a lot of feedback from you last week on the DeSantis Newsom debate, which I thought was horrible. <laughs> I've got to be honest; I thought it was horrible. Um, I, I thought Newsom was repulsive. But I think he went in there to be repulsive. I think he went in there as a pit bull to get DeSantis. And I thought DeSantis, at times, I got to see the whole thing afterwards because I went on the air uh, an hour. I didn't get to see the last half hour. And he, he got some some good things there. But he just, he, he needs to work on amiability. It's just not, you just don't feel, and he doesn't, he, I, I know he has humor. I've seen him. I've seen him as governor and and talk and do things. But he doesn't use humor very effectively. And here was this Newsom just carping away. And um, so it's it's it. I, I I don't think it worked for either of them extremely well. But because things have to work for DeSantis, I think it was more of a hit to him than it than it was to Newsom. And. He did get in some good singers, no question about but he didn't. And it was in his book that would hit it off. It sort of talks about it. You know, you sort of want to win, even if you're debating somebody. You want to, you don't want to beat them, especially in politics. You don't want to beat them and eviscerate them and have them, you know, on their knees. That's not what you want. You want them feeling that you can, they can have an exchange with you that's not going to be Rude, cruel, insulting. I think as a debates like that was, and it was definitely like that, both men were diminished. And right now, DeSantis has a lot more to lose. So that's that, that, that was my opinion on that debate. And yes, I've heard a lot of you from the Oregon game, and yes, I'm very down about the Oregon game. Um, but, you know, you got to win the game. And the Ducks didn't do it. And, and uh, the, I guess what I feel worse about the worst about is, is Bowman Nix. Not and all of a sudden he was he was going in the game as the leading contender for the Heisman Trophy. Now he's not even mentioned at all, and I think that's ridiculous. And um, I heard an announcer say, "Yes, the Ducks are going to be playing in the Liberty Bowl." I said, the Liberty Bowl? That's not like a major bowl. And the Ducks were in the you know, they going into that game. They were number five in the country. They lost by three points twice to the same team. All of a sudden, they're they're in the Liberty Bowl, which I mean, it's a nice little bowl, but but it's not the upper echelons of New Year's Day bowls. But then I heard, no, they're playing Liberty, which is not which is an undefeated football team. It's a that's it's an evangelical school in Virginia. Many of you have heard of uh, over the years. It's founded by. Jerry Falwell, and it, they they have a, a good team, and it's in the Fiesta Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl is a respectable bowl. It's one of the. It's on New Year's Day. It's a big bowl, so I, I'm glad about that. Um, but I'm still. It was hard. It was hard because, well, I just you know our, our star receiver got hurt right at the beginning of the game. 
Um, it, it just it just didn't it it. I think this point spread was way too big, and I think it, the coach didn't explain to the team that look, you guys, that's way too big a spread. You got to be real serious. You're not going to have a cakewalk in this game. And I don't think he did it. And I was really upset with the coach when he didn't go over and try to. I mean, poor Bonix was sitting there with a towel over his head of the last few minutes of the game, and and then he sat there after the game all alone. Well, some of his fellow players went over there. And how many times have I seen Bo Nix go over to a player when they were down or hurt during the Oregon games? Countless times. And um, there he sat with that towel over his head. It was like a sad movie. I hope the best for him. I think he's a wonderful, young, and talented young man, and I hope he has a brilliant career, and I hope he wins the Fiesta Bowl. That would be a nice ending. A lot of players, after the coach didn't go over to them like that, wouldn't play in the bowl. But the word is that he will because it's his team. That's character. The coach of the Oregon Ducks could learn a lot from him. I don't think he's the coach is a bad man. I think he needs to grow up a bit. Let's welcome Skip, the man of the people, to the Jane Carroll Show. Hi, Skip. Yeah, this is, uh, am I speaking to Jane the Greek, Carroll? <laughs> I mean, uh, well, you're uh, eight out of ten this week. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I would say that's you know, yeah. When you're getting eighty percent in uh, uh, football picks, and you're picking at the uh, I hate to put it this way, Jane, but the manly way, uh, you're uh, that that's pretty darn good. I know where the point spreads. Yeah, and I thought, and I really did. We did talk about it. I thought the point spread was way too big in the Oregon game. Yeah, and the the only reason you weren't nine out of ten was because. Uh, because you had to go with your favorite son. I had to. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. I've done it in the past when I said the spread's too big. I think they're going to win, or they might not win, but I don't think they're going to cover that spread. And I've done that in the past. But you know, this was the like, last Pac-12 playoff champion, and Oregon played in the very first Pac-12 championship game, um, and they won it uh, against UCLA. And I thought it would be a nice. Bookends, and then of course we would have gone to a major bowl. I, I really, I really believe well, yeah, that. Yeah, but the the Festina Bowl is one of them that they uh, don't they use that as one of the playoff bowls uh, as they rotate through because it's they used it, to, uh, they used yeah. to. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I thought they, they, they rotated they used, those they, through. That uh, so they, it was the, the big bowl bowls were the Rose Bowl, bowl the um, sugar Orange bowl. bowl, Sugar Bowl, and then they would rotate the third one. Yep. And Fiesta was sometimes in and. Uh, sometimes uh, the Cotton Bowl even made it in, and yeah. and it's just. But it, you know, it was, yeah, it it does. Were you? I was. I thought the picks were the right picks. For under the circumstances, what did you think? Well, you know, uh, I, I'll tell you what. It's tough. I, see, but I, I'm. I want an actual playoff. Uh, like, see, Oregon should be. Oregon should be playing a, like a wild card team right now, and so should uh, Georgia and a few other teams. And then, you know, similar to what they do in the pros, I'd rather see a playoff type uh, status like that, so that just one game doesn't destroy you. you know, yeah, uh, that that is. It, it, and and uh, you know, because because there, I mean, there's a lot of teams. Here, but, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, you know, eleven and one teams. In, uh, you go down there. And then there's people that uh, that yeah, yeah, but when I, you're, I don't, but, I don't you know, know when you're playing always, Brookline High always, School, 
I mean, yeah. not, I mean it, it, well, no. yeah, that that's the whole thing. And, and then and then you get people like uh, everybody wants to see Notre Dame, and so they always put Notre Dame. In fact, that's who Oregon State's plan, uh, I believe, is Notre Dame. And so they always I think put the, Notre I think Dame. The bees could take Notre Dame this year. Oh yeah, they they probably can't. Although uh, I was just talking. In, to in a way, and I think that game has more stature and will have a much bigger audience. Yeah, and it'd be played on the 29th. So, yeah. But but, I, but the only problem is, is somebody was saying that some of the Oregon State players may not play in that game because well, they don't want to get hurt. hurt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a big deal nowadays. You know? just, uh, oh no, well, we've had a lot of players at Oregon when they go to a bowl, yeah. especially like the Las Vegas bowl and stuff. They don't play. Yeah. I do think Nick's will Nick's will be playing on uh, on on Sunday. So, uh, and, and you know, you know, there's there's one positive thing about Nick's losing that game. That might drop him down, uh, say four or five in the in the draft, and let some of those other guys go to the really crappy teams first, and then he might get at least a mediocre. That's a good, that, that's that's a good point. You know, because you know, you, you look at like Joey Harrington was a was a great quarterback. Marcus Mar- Mariota. And there's a number of them uh, um, that that and they get they get stuck with these teams that have no line. Yeah, you went and to thought, Detroit. Oh, that was horrible. I thought Harrington was going to do something because uh, when he got drafted, what, it was by Detroit, if I remember. Detroit, correctly. It was. It was Detroit. And they and they had that wide receiver. And man, the first couple games, everybody was looking at that, and they they hooked up two or three times, and you're sitting there going, "Oh man, Montana Rice again," you know. And then the wide receiver got hurt. And that didn't give him a quick uh, release to somebody that could run with the ball and everything like that, and and he just got beat to death after that, you know, and that kind of loses your confidence real quick. Yeah, it does, you know? and it's it, it's it, it yeah it, it it does, and it would be neat to see because I think he's a I think he's a really good guy from what I, I you know I you know me I watch the players the the dynamics the coaches I that's important to yeah. me, and um he you know and anybody. He fumbled, or a, there he was over there. It's okay, we're gonna come back, and we did. Yeah. The coach wasn't well, doing I mean, that. I mean, and look, I, look, I, look I, I didn't the team back. Yeah. No, and 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 it, the, the defense just didn't play well. But you know something, Washington oh, is yeah. a very good team. Well, yeah, you know that that guy that that Washington's got, he's a gunslinger, and if you if you if you don't cover, he's gonna pick you apart. He just will. But, but, you know, the, the other thing, too, is that one of the things I never have understood about, even back with Chip Kelly, they have, that Oregon has these tremendous teams that uh, that could just nail you. And, I mean, two or three touchdowns in a minute, minute and a half, two minutes, you know, type of type of teams. And, and for some reason, every time there's a big game, every time. I saw it with LSU. I saw it with uh, when they played, um, um, oh, uh, not Alabama, what's the other one? Auburn and uh, a couple of the others, they always come out flat for the first uh, couple, three, four uh, possessions of the ball, and they get behind. And, you know, when yep. you're playing a good team, you can't do that. They come back. they beat, and, and then the other thing, too, is a lot of times they'll get away from their what, what got them there. I mean, Oregon. That's coaching, last, Skip. Yeah, over, That's yeah I, I know. I know. And Chip, Kelly, Chip Kelly did the same thing. And, and, and I – I, I do. I, I mean, I get really upset with the coaches. It's like that one year that uh, who was it that had the broken arm or something that was playing, and uh, we were. I think it was against Auburn or LSU. I can't remember. It was in the big, big game there, and they had the uh, the All American nose guard there. And what they do? They uh, they've been sweeping them, especially towards the end of the game. They've been sweeping them all game, 
and it was always good for four or five yards and a couple touchdowns and everything. What do they do? They get the ball on the two-yard line, and they run up the, the gut three times, and the guy with the broken arm fumbles it when the guy uh, puts a, his helmet on, on the guy's broken arm. You know, And you're sitting there going, what kind of a stupid call was that? Three times up the middle against against a, you know, I mean. Well, look what the Ducks did in the first Washington game. Yeah. On yeah. the 10-yard line, three straight times, stopped. And then we go for the fourth time, get stopped on the 10-yard line twice, twice in a row. And we lost the game by three points. A field yeah. goal under either of those circumstances, which was less than an extra point, would have uh, put us in an overtime. Yeah, and well, if they made well, a vote, we would have won. That's see that that's where Lanning uh, had the problem at the first of the year is that you know I, I, I like his competitiveness don't don't get me wrong and and there's a time when when you when you say hey we're here to win and all this but you don't do like like uh, the very first Washington game what what was it? they had two chances or three chances that they would have probably had chip shot field goals in the, well, two in, two uh, from the first, ten yard line at the end of the yeah. first half. We, we were on the 10-yard yeah. line, and they stopped us three times, first and 10 on the 10. They stopped us three times in a row. I think we lost even a yard. We yeah. had a, 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 a slam dunk field goal. We went for the touchdown and didn't get it. We had the ball first when we came out, did the yeah. exact thing, got down to the 10-yard line down, did three and out, three and out, and then we went for the uh, we went for the uh, a touchdown, and we came away with no points. And I, Yeah, and see, Especially in the first half, there, there was no reason not to take the points. No. Uh, get the point because that wouldn't that wouldn't that have given them the lead or tied the lead or tied the score with them having the ball or something. I, I I don't remember. I was I have to go back and look at that. But but there but it was an obvious take the points. You take you know, the points. Step. Yeah. Especially it's, it's when they stopped you three times in a row yeah. on the same play. You hadn't gotten one yard. Uh, you 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 take the points. That's a gimme. It's like, it, it, yeah, and, and not only that, but you don't want to give them that confidence building. No. You know, your 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 guys get stopped. Uh, there's too much of a chance of a fumble or something like that, and uh, your guys get stopped, come away with no points. So they're they're kind of depressed about that or getting angry. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes people hop off sides. So I think. Make, we make were with a, we were with a large group of people watching the thing, and I was just screaming at the TV. I said, "Look what they're doing to Franklin! They're just I, jumping all over him. They're trying to hurt him." And I, I, I and they did. That yeah. turned the game around. Well, and then they and yeah. then and then Lanning put him back in, and I said, "Oh, phew, he's okay." I thought, you know, maybe, maybe a little beat up, but he he's, he can play, and he's played, you know, hurt before, and but he couldn't play. What he was, they were using was a, a, as a decoy because they thought, well, yeah. they're going to have to deal with Franklin. We'll, we'll free up some other guys. But that their co- Washington coach was smart enough to know after a couple of plays, oh, he can't play. We don't have to defend against him. So we got 11 guys against 10. They're going to win. Yeah. yeah oh, well, that's all water in the bridge now. Sure is. But, but we had to we had to we had to talk about it because we've been talking about it a lot and I you know I, it's but I do think the right teams got in. I would have I went and looked at the criteria for picking the, the, the final yeah. four and the important thing is you win loss record. Yeah. But they also want you to be a conference champion. Yeah, that's what that's what eliminated Georgia. Yeah, that's what eliminated Georgia. And I thought they could have justified Alabama or Georgia, even though 
Alabama beat Georgia in three points. Um, but they beat them, and that was a hard-fought game. And so I thought Alabama could be justifiably put in. And But I thought Georgia, as the two-time defending champ, could be yeah. justified, too. Yeah, so, but isn't Florida, Florida State's the one that got screwed out of the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah, Florida, Florida State got screwed, but you know, I don't, I don't think they're. It's one of the conferences that makes in the thing, and I understand why they're upset. I guess Trump's blaming well, DeSantis. <laughs> but, but see, I mean, you know, um, well, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, but but see, I still think that they need a playoff, uh, a, a, not just uh, four teams. They need a playoff, college playoff system. You know. Whether we got to, you know, of course, it might mean that we'd have to shorten the season one end and lengthen it on another, you know, just uh, make make more playoff games, you know, similar to what they do in high school or whatever, like a state championship or something. Because you you, you do need to, um, you, you need to, you know, more like college basketball or something like the, like with the, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, uh, March Final Madness. Four. Yeah, yeah, March yeah. Madness. They, they start with, what, 64 teams or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and just uh, that way, you know. But the problem with it is you can play three, four basketball games in a week. You cannot play that many well, yeah. games. Yeah, but you don't have, uh, you know, the uh, the football games. You, you, you could have a better chance of deciding it during the season about who gets, you know, by, by uh, having, you know, league positioning and stuff like that. And you set it all up, and then you put you, you have uh, – you know, there, there's a lot of room where you could use a second place team in there because, like, you know, for for years, the Pac-12 that's no longer uh, there, they beat the hell out of each other because they're such good teams, you know. And uh, so a lot of times they didn't get national recognition when they should have because or they got recognition, but never, never like uh, your Alabamas, your uh, you know. Michigan's that, that, that Notre really Dame. Well, and the and the money split was different. With those and I think we've too. probably got the last twenty years we've had a better win loss record than Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But, but but that doesn't matter. Notre Dame's, uh, you know, well, Notre, Notre Dame's got God on their side. They do. <laughs> yeah. Although my, I don't my, know, my, the, my the dad's Catholic. Kind of always said they right did. My, my my dad was was was. The, he he was he was Catholic and particularly in sports, and his idea of a moral dilemma every year was the Notre Dame Boston College game. Both Catholic schools, and of course Boston College was our local Catholic school in Notre Dame, because we always rooted for Notre Dame. It was like a family obligation to root for Notre Dame, and um, I, I I I like Notre Dame. I, 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 you know, when well, you're rooting for them since you were a kid, it's hard well, not. To. Well, what what happened though was God got pissed off when uh, they got rid of Lou Holtz because they, he thought Lou, Lou Holtz had it that should have the record uh, of wins and losses there. Instead, they they got rid of Lou Holtz because if he would have had a had an average season, he would have broke Lou Rockney's record. Oh, and, and they, I, I'm, they're I'm not going to make a movie about Lou Holtz. Yeah, know? and so what what happened was that uh, you know God just says, okay, we'll show you for that decision. And for a number of years, Notre Dame just didn't. I mean, they sucked for quite a few years there after Lou Holtz. <laughs> just, uh, what do you so, make of this? Back to politics. Skip the man of the people. A bunch of yeah, finding okay. out of there. Um, 
Liz Cheney has this new book out, and I guess she talks oh. about uh, talks about uh, Donald Trump being the orange Jesus. But oh, she's well. also but she's also saying she's a classless thing. She really is. I mean, I, I don't I don't think of her parents as classless people. I really don't. Um, but she's claiming that if Trump is elected, he will refuse to leave office after four years. You know what? Did we hear that last time? Yeah, I think we heard it then. You know, and, and they had to steal it from him to get it. You know, I'm sort of convinced of that now. And you're seeing more and more proof come out about it now. I know. I mean, it's it's really pretty evident. And and you got uh, what is it, 63 or 65 percent of the voting public now believes that, that the election was uh, there was regularities would have made a, a change in the discount uh, outcome. If you can't say it was out and out stolen, that the, that there was, I mean, you still got you got still got nine thousand votes to count in Arizona. That, uh, they don't they don't want to do that because they don't want to make comedy uh, the uh, attorney general there. You know, so it's just stuff like that. And not only that, but it would have probably flipped the Senate if it involved. But see, there was um, down through uh, there would have been quite a few seats that would have been changed in the Senate and uh, and also the House of Representatives had they uh, actually. It wasn't only uh, Trump that got got nailed, but at 22, they pulled the same shenanigans. And what the problem is is that there's a lot of people that, that they know how to how to block against it now. And I'm not saying they, they could stop it, but but there's going to be a lot more uh, you know uh, stuff that's going on. And what they really need to do, if they were, of course, we don't have a. I mean, let's face it, our um, the DOJ doesn't want to stop that stuff, and our uh, you know Merrick, Merrick Garland guys they 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 could care less you know and uh but if you really um if they really want to stop that they take these lower tier people that that they knew stuffed ballot boxes and stuff like that and they'd arrest them and those people would sing like you'd find out who who was behind the whole thing within a few months of arresting all those people and then looking at serious jail time and that's exactly what they ought to do you know, the I, I myself, I think people that uh, that rig elections and stuff should be given more time than bank robbers. Oh, I do too. That, They're stealing a country. Yeah, well, that, yeah, you're affecting too many people. It's not just uh, you know uh, an insured bank or something. You know, you know not, what I'm most people bank robbery is good. Or, you know what most in the fine in Oregon is, is it's seventy five dollars if you you violate election well, laws. Well, that's just it. You know, there's no there's. There's just no, I mean, you, and then you look at people like uh, Lois Lerner and stuff with the stuff that she did with, uh, with the, um, the, uh, oh, uh, the, you know, our the one that we have the key bus to uh, keys to the bus still, the um, uh, uh, tea, tea party people. Look what they were doing to them and stuff. And and that woman should have, uh, they should have brought her up on charges. They should have taken away all of her, uh, all of her pensions and things like that. Put her in jail. You know, but yep. that's simple. You do that with a few of these uh, guys that are are not elected officials. That and I'm not talking about somebody who's just making a mistake. I mean, if you make a mistake, and if it, because you could correct an error, but these people just out and out, uh, they were crooks, is what they were. They 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 put their finger in the pie uh, on one side or the other, which is not what we're supposed to do with our with our government employees here. You're supposed to stay. Now you can have your own opinions here. And you look at really good judges, and you know there's some judges out there that 
uh, are enforcing the law when they're when they're doing it for the bench, and you'll see them. And you know darn well that they that they feel the opposite of that, but they're. But I've never seen so many judges now that are just out and out open. Uh, you know, they're 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 anarchists, kind of. They're they're you know treasonous to to some extent because they're not enforcing the law. If they did, they'd shut off all the borders and stuff like that. Now they're trying to stop them uh, from putting things in the river down in Texas and stuff to stop the illegal immigrants coming through. You know. I know it's it's, it's absurd. It really is. It is absurd. Um, I want to talk to you about Nikki Haley for a moment because uh, yeah. she is. All the never Trumpers are rallying around her, and and with some big money, and they're not rallying around DeSantis. And uh, Frank Lockean, a billionaire CEO of a broker uh, corporation in Massachusetts, they're going they're putting together a multi-million dollar uh, political action committee for her. The Koch brothers are backing backing her um, and they were big tea party folks remember uh, but uh, it, it I think it's not a backlash to DeSantis but to, to, to Trump and the other one Joe Lieberman is backing her huh. you surprised uh, by that one yeah yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't hear that one uh, you know I, I know that there was other people coming out and said well they can't uh, they're not going to vote for Joe Biden. And the, uh, even Chris Cuomo came out the other day and said he might have to vote for Trump or something like that. I heard that, but, yeah. But where are these guys going to go if, if Nikki Haley doesn't get the nomination? Are they going to run a third party or, or what are they going to do? How are they going to stop Trump outside of know. you know, the law stuff? And, and uh, you know what? You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what the people are saying out here. We're all kind of laughing. And, and I mean, it's not a funny thing, but we're all kind of laughing just, just going, why are these guys they're trying too hard. Why do they want to stop Trump that bad? I mean, you know, um, we've had we've had things where the the, the people that didn't want to get in before and didn't seem to, but for some reason they are really against Trump. It is, and and I mean, we've had guys that were you know egotistical and, and uh, people that are half nuts and all kinds of things. I mean, look at this idiot we got in there now that uh, that they're that they're calling president. You know, that, uh, that and, and you're sitting there going. You know, how can you even say? How can you even refer to that guy as president? The guy is just an idiot, and, uh, and, and, I don't, and he's not running the show. You know, it's very obvious he's not running the show. I mean, the guy can't even figure out how to get off the stage again today. And and, and you just, uh, you know, but like Nikki Haley, you're, you're, you know, I don't hear anybody talk about Nikki Haley. Do you? I mean, no. I mean, her, her name comes up like, like the media. That's all right I hear. They talk about. Yeah, the time. But, I don't. I don't hear anybody excited about Nikki Haley. I don't. I don't know anybody I, saying that's know, my candidate. No. The, the, some of them were a little bit. Some of them were supporting Santa, and they're saying, "Well, boy, I, I just." Uh, and, and you know what? What's really kind of interesting is most of what I'm hearing about DeSantis is they're saying he needs to go back to being governor and wait for four years and see if he can uh, come back out with a new kind of plan. And, but you know, you, you look at, you know, what's happened to DeSantis. You got a you got a good candidate. It's probably boring. There's been a lot of candidates that have been boring. Gerald Ford was boring, and he was actually a pretty good candidate and stuff at the time. But you you get things like that. Jimmy Carter was boring. Well, yeah, all those guys. Are, but but what happens is that they get these guys that know how to run a national campaign and everything, and and they just destroy the guys. They they uh, by the time they get through with them, these guys leave with all the money and said, "Well, gee whiz, we're sorry." 
you're also ran now and we just destroyed your whole career and, and uh, you know but I'll tell you the, the thing that you know people are saying to Santa should go back rebuild himself most people that I've talked to if Nikki Haley's name comes up they said we just do not like her anymore and she's bought off and that's the way most of them are feeling like she's being bought off and, and, and that and like you talk about Liz Cheney I mean uh, until this thing came out, they were talking about our books falling flat on its face. Uh, I hadn't heard anything about Liz Cheney for quite a while. Outside of, uh, there's a real movement now that all those people that were working on that January 6th committee, I guess all these all these records and notes and some of the films and stuff that they reviewed are all missing now. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. So well, what do you People aren't stupid anymore. No, the other thing that is is, is a bit surprising, and uh, and it, and CNN host Dana Lash caused it. She was interviewing uh, Representative uh, Jarapal from Washington, one yeah. of the the squad, and is a big supporter of Hamas, yeah. and and um, and she basically didn't condemn the, Hamas's wide use of sexual violence against Israeli women during their October seventh attacks. And she was asked, I want to ask you about sexual violence, and it's kind of remarkable that this issue hasn't gotten enough attention globally. Widespread use of rape, brutal rape, sexual violence against Israeli women by Hamas. I've seen a lot of progressive women, generally speaking, they're quick to defend women's rights and speak out against using rape as a weapon of war, but downright silence on what we saw on October 7th. And what might be happening inside Gaza right now to those hostages? Why is that bash act? The squad Democrats suggested that that wasn't true and claimed she'd already condemned Hamas treatment of women before quickly turned the conversation back to Israel. But I think we have to remember Israel is a democracy. That is why they're a strong ally of ours. And if, we, if they do not comply with international humanitarian law, they are bringing themselves to a place that makes it much more difficult strategically for them to be able to build allies to keep public opinion with them. And frankly, morally, we cannot say that one war crime deserves another. That is not what international humanitarian law says. So she's getting a lot of backlash over this because she seems to act like, well, you know, rape is rape. It's part of war. Oh, yeah. And, and then what, what, uh, what, uh, see, and I heard right after that statement she made like that, there was a conversation that came up someplace on it. And, uh, what they're saying, well, why aren't we hearing about all the rapes that the, uh, that the Israeli soldiers are, are perpetrating? And I'm going, you know, like, it just uh, the Israelis are being waiting. Oh no, I see. I see people those 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 anti-Semitic, Jew-hating college students, and most of the women say, "No, that's not what happened." Matter of fact, Hamas didn't do anything on on October seventh. Yeah. They, they 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 went. It was the Jews that killed all those people to turn people against. They, this isn't the, um, Palestinians and Hamas. They haven't done anything. It's all lies. They say yeah. that all the time. I got a little funny story to tell you. I was up at the VA hospital today. I took a friend up. He had to have a, a procedure done, and he couldn't drive afterwards. So <clears throat> they give you a little thing that, like you used to get in the restaurants to call you when your table's ready. So I'm, yeah. I'm hanging around there the two hours I got to wait for him, and I go back up in this area, and a couple old vets sat down next to me, guys that are on you know, the same age group as I am, yeah, uh, veterans. Area. And all of a sudden, one guy started talking. We were talking, just talking about all the stuff that's going on whether our troops are ready or not, we're just going, well, you know, then we started talking about, and one guy had his wife there and uh, he was talking with us and everything. And the fourth guy, and what happened is people started rotating in and out. 
and all these old vets and, we're, and the thing came up about uh, the pronouns and all this kind of thing and we're saying yeah could you imagine the, the drill sergeants that we had and everything you would have said well sergeant that's not my pronoun or you said hey that's not my pronoun you would have said well here's my pronoun combat boot up your butt you know and just uh but but we, so we were all laughing about that we got to talk a little bit about it. and the thing about the israelis came up and the guy saying well you know just they have a right to fight back this one guy his wife got him up and made him move to a to an area that, that he couldn't see us and, and participate in the discussion anymore. And I thought, well, what, what, what crawled up her? You know, just, uh, just, we're, we're just a bunch of old vets talking about the way it is, the way we see it, you know? And, uh, and we weren't, we weren't insulting anybody or anything like that. We were just saying, well, we, we were just questioning, uh, the readiness of our troops. And, and then I said, but it's a different time now. You know, these guys have different weaponry and, uh, stuff. And we were kind of comparing all those, those norms about how everything has changed and all that we're you know we have the right to question all that kind of stuff and uh, but you know one of the guys is pretty outspoken and everything but it's just like uh, you know we all we're all kind of agreeing well it might be up to us if they because they're and we were saying that they, they won't close off the borders and we've got guys coming across and we maybe we're going to fight people right here on our own soil here pretty quick and and i guess you know maybe she was a fighter or something but, you know but didn't like what we were saying. Got got her old man up, moved him. And I thought, oh, okay. You, know, you have to live with her, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, of things and, and political correctness and, and, and all that, um, California, Gavin Newsom, I guess, again, uh, is, is, is going to st- start finding stores that don't have a gender neutral kids' toy section. Oh, that, but even worse than that, I didn't find out about this until today. In Portland, Oregon, which is the laughing stock of the world from yeah. a crime perspective, from a, yeah. uh, from a, and we and our teachers have been on strike for uh, yeah. five weeks now. They 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 settled, and part of their agreement is, part of their agreement in the strike, the people are supposed to care about kids. And be, you know, not have any preferences or any ideology or any of these things. Part of it is that when it comes to reprimanding or punishing students yeah. who misbehave or break rules, they are go. They they have to now take into factor their race, their sexual identity, and all these other things that uh, these political correct things. And if, if they're, you know, if they're a minority, they can't get a severe punishment because it's not their fault. If they're, uh, you know, a, a, a transgender, same thing. Uh, the only people that get the full force of, of, of the punishment is I guess, white kids. Um, it's, they took another month off. Our kids in, in, in Oregon are, are so behind in education to begin with the rest of the country. They've eliminated any requirements for graduating from high school. You don't have to pass a certain reading level or math level or anything. Um, and, and now they're going to punish kids based on the color of their skin or their sexual identity. It, it's. Uh, uh, can I go back to school? I know. So I want to go back to high, high school. I, I... Because I want to go to the Portland High School, because and you could I be want, a, a woman's uh, you could be a woman's no, I, swimming champion. I want, well, it's not only that, but I want to uh, have the guy come out and punish me as a white guy. 
<laughs> since you know my background. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, because so, I, I know that surprised even a few of my friends when they come down to me and go, oh, this, this, this. And I'll say, well, maybe you don't remember. And then I remind them. They go, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. so but, but that's Portland. We're a joke. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, you're looking at California, looking at Portland. You're, people are moving out of Portland like crazy, too. But it's one more reason to homeschool your kids or get them. Oh, no, killed. they're not moving out of California. Matter of fact, people and, are moving and, in droves uh, from Florida to California, according I to Gavin think, Newsom. I think we're going to have enough uh, signatures like 32 other states to put the um, the uh, where the, the put that bill on that uh, where the money follows the kids instead of to the schools. So in other words, you'll you'll have the right to put your kid in whatever school you want put them in. Yeah, well, uh, that's that, supposed to that, that that's supposed to happen now. Yeah, I know that's well, but uh, you know I don't know. The, 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 I know I signed a couple. On it the other day, so. No, I had a family member a few years ago. He was was in high school, and he was, um, he when he went into high school, he wanted to, his dad was a teacher in a in a in a school, and he wanted because he was going to go go with him to school and um, transport, and he wanted he wanted to go to school, and they just fought it so hard because they want to keep the money. They didn't care about yeah. him being in their school. He eventually got. Well, authorization to, to go to school with his dad it wasn't like his dad was going to be his teacher or even his coach uh, or anything like that he just you know they wanted to him to go to school in that district and they fought they fight to keep those kids not because they care about them because because they come with a price tag and it's a it's, it's, it's well, an obscene amount of money and, and i know out here in the hillsborough school district we were uh we were pretty highly rated throughout the state for a long time back in the 60s and all that and yet i know um uh, within the last 20 years that there's a situation I knew of a situation with a couple kids and they used to go back when they still had shop classes, I don't know what they're doing right now but they would go in because they enjoyed shop and that was where the uh, attendance was taken and I knew uh, one kid I knew in person because he worked for me for a while and he would go in and go to his shop class and be counted in the attendance and then go sit in the uh, cafeteria the rest of the day and uh, convince with his girlfriend and stuff like that all the guys and they go out and do other things never ever attended any of it and they kept passing through he finally dropped out as a junior and uh, just you know and they were and they the parents tried to talk to him and all this about we got let, let and it was just hey he's he's there when when they take attendance and that's all we're worried about we get the money for him that's all they were worried about so and that if he wouldn't have been if he wouldn't attended his, his shop class where they took attendance, then they would have been upset because uh, that's that's where the whole thing happened. It's one period a day or whatever where the attendance. So it's just really screwed up. But it's uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's you know. it, 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 it's it's very. But I I I take comfort in your that more people are becoming more aware of of all this and. And so it's, but I, you know, one of the things I wish, I I wish people had to vote in person and had to show their signatures, show ID to vote. That would be so much better. See, I'm, like I've told you, I'm not against the mail out ballot. In other words, you get your ballot in the mail, 
all this kind of thing. Uh, I think we should go back to the local polling stations, the local county, and 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 it wouldn't be a real big problem. In other words, I could fill out my ballot at home, have an envelope and everything, and then I take it up, I show them ID, they find my name in the book, they 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 know it's me, and I give it to them, and they put it in the box. Okay, what would that take? Thirty seconds, maybe a minute, and I still get to see my neighbors and everything. And it wouldn't be anything that holds me up from work. We have the polls. If they're really worried about it, have the polls open just 24 hours. You know, start at, yeah. you know, open them all at the same time, have them open 24 hours. I don't see uh, anybody leading anything like this. I, yeah, I think it's, it's a great idea. But, and but and as far as... Legally registered voters and have uh, yeah. validated your signature. It, it, how well, hard is that? You wouldn't get 70 people at the same house sending in the ballots. No. Nope. And you would, you know, and, and they'd have to... See, what I'm saying is that, it, that with with few exceptions, you have to turn them in in person. And, no, the uh, other thing that would, you know, and this is one of the big things in Oregon, and, and, and they emulated it in many other states uh, uh, during the last couple of elections. But uh, when it used to be that when you when you, you had to, to validate the, who you were, and now we have these things called provisional ballots. So if you yeah. show up on election day in, in Oregon at, at the county courthouse and you say, my name is Jane Carroll and I, 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 you know, I didn't get my ballot and I want to vote. And they give me one. Why can't I have to prove I'm Jane Carroll and that I am a registered well, you voter? Should, you should have to. And, and, and there's no way that vote should be put in, that, that ballot should be put anywhere in there, opened up for anything, until they can prove who you are. Right. And, it would, you know, it, and most people, I mean, most people aren't going to go to the, the lengths of getting fake ID to, to, to fake vote. So I would probably have ID and I could show it and they'd say, fine. And, well, yeah, and, you're, okay. and, they, and they have the list of registered voters. But, you know, I could go up and say, you know, I'm skip the men of the people and I'm a transgender. And I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't get a ballot. I want to vote. Well, yeah, not only that, but how many, uh, how many names could some of the women uh, vote under? I know. Uh, and then, and then you got this crazy thing too. Where and how can I mean? They, they only see when it's close or it's tighter. They need a lot of votes in the major uh, urban areas: Portland, Multnomah County, and of course Lane County down in Eugene and the state yeah. capital area. The turnout is always massively well, huge on election day in a state that has three weeks to vote by mail. Yeah. They turn more people show up on election day with the and want a ballot. Uh, that yeah, is just so ripe for fraud. It. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And then I see uh, I see Rona McDaniels is finally getting off her dead rear end, and uh, she's she's threatening to sue in Nevada and several counties because she's saying we've got more more registered voters than people of voting age in that county. It's it's a headline on a. On a uh, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, you know, the new governor is following this. She's trying to get people to, to register to vote at 16 when they get their driver's licenses. You don't yeah. think they're going to get sent ballots? Oh. This is, uh, yeah, it's the uh, RNC alleges inconsistency in Nevada voter rolls threatens lawsuit. And it's with uh, Douglas Lyon in Story County. Also talked about inconsistency in Carson City, Churchill, Clark, Eureka, and Washoe. Well, See, but, uh, 
but I think, but but she she's only threatening the lawsuit and everything because her job's on the line. That's what it is. You know, yeah. and if she doesn't start, so this is oh look what we're doing, look what we're doing. You know, we're we're trying to get you know this this and that and the other thing, but uh, they ought to get rid of her and get somebody in there that'll get, see this shouldn't even be this shouldn't even be a threat of a lawsuit. This should they should walk in there and and without with totally surprised and everything lay this right on the secretary of uh, the um, secretary of state's desk one morning and, and the lawsuits on not uh, you know, make them scramble and make them not you know that way they could lock up all their all the records and everything uh, and, and so that they start destroying records and they're they're in trouble and there would be whistleblowers and stuff in there then so yeah, but meanwhile, we've got Hamas warning that a war of liberation bigger than October 7th massacre is coming soon. Yeah. Israeli uh, spy chief vows to kill all the terror group's leaders around the world as mastermind behind Kibbutz massacre is, is eliminated. The uh, Biden administration is, is sort of, don't, don't do anything, you know, don't do anything, rock the boat. I guess we did give a little bit of a response to the, what is it now, 75, 76 attack? Uh, it's a yeah, it's, 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 it's a joke. Meanwhile, things are not going well at all in Ukraine. And um, no, I, They're telling him that your, your money's drying up by the end of the year is what they're telling him. You know, so, um, and and so people are starting to say, it, people are, you know, um, have, have you listened to Mark Levin recently? I, I usually see him on the weekends. Yeah, because uh, well, the, it, on his radio show and stuff, man, he's he's starting to name names and stuff like that. People that are that are doing this, and he's naming people that aren't doing their jobs, stuff like. And 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 he's in the know, you know. I mean, he he really knows stuff, and he's yeah, just, and, and 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 I'll tell you what, he's not only going after Democrats, he's going after Republicans too, and, and he's talking about. And he says the problem is these guys, and he starts naming names. Well, and then he's got people like Romney. And he says, you know, this guy was doing all this, and he's talking this. Now look at what he's doing. You know, he's not going to vote for Trump. He's going to probably vote for Biden. Blah blah blah. He says they're showing their colors. You know, and he named a whole bunch of other people. And, and then it, he doesn't even want to talk about Liz Cheney or anything. He, yeah, oh, and what he's saying about Liz Cheney, it's a wonder she hasn't tried to sue him for, for you know, um, defamation of character or something. But. He's just saying, but you know, he's just talking about these people that we, he said, we put so much faith in them and they've never come through. He says that, and what, what part of this is, he says the, the black people that were so, uh, uh, so in tune with the, with the Democratic Party are just getting it now. And I'll tell you what, they are, I'm, I'm kind of, I've listened to these people and they're just, man, they're openly in the streets, just in a backlash now. And, uh, and, what it is is that, especially like they're talking about uh, get ready Chicago, and these are these are guys that are, that are members of the Democratic Party that are that are Chicagoans and stuff like that. And say, you guys, you're going to get a real eye opening experience here when you come to Chicago because we're tired of and all these people that are out there. They're saying that money that that you're you're giving all this stuff to people that that don't have never paid into. Anything here that have never worked here, uh, don't don't have the right to be here. All this kind of, thing. and you're giving them everything. And the rest of us, our schools are falling apart. Uh, our jobs are going south on us. The uh, we, we we can't make reasonable wages and stuff like that. And just they're saying, why are we voting for you guys? You, you've never 
you know, they're talking about the Democrat Party. They're saying, you've promised us, promised us, promised us, and never, ever give us anything. And now you're, now you're uh, basically in the boat, you know, the boat with uh, all the illegals and the Hispanics is what they're, they're talking about. And you're, that's your group that you want to, and, and they're, and actually to hear minorities and guys that were probably like Black Lives Matters type guys and stuff like that saying they moved so that the Democratic Party has moved so far to the left that they've left them. Yeah. They, 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 that the party has just simply moved away from us. Not, and uh, they're saying whether whether we want to. They said it's like uh, what what one girl said. She'd rather play with the snake outside the cage than have the snake inside the cage or something. That. She's talking about you know voting with the Democrats. Or with a Republican, she says, at least we know who they are, you know, and yeah, so that's kind of an interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are, are and you see John Pierre walk out of the press briefing today because she didn't want to answer any questions about anything. Well, this big, this, this ruse that the uh, Hunter Biden attorney is trying to pull off that, yeah, we'll do a public hearing, but we know what farces those are. They're just grandstanding with the Republicans. Everybody gets five minutes, and the Democrats are much better yes. at that than the Republicans, by the way, and and eviscerating all this stuff. And at the end, it always comes out, you go, oh, why didn't even watch it? And well, But they have all these questions the, uh, to ask about the spine. Right. That's all they're interested in. But what they're doing is going through all these you know, bogus oh, uh, companies that they were funneling uh, foreign money through, including the funneling it to Joe Biden. And you can't get to that in these five-minute little interviews where you know, questions. Yeah, yeah, you do that behind closed doors when they when they do it, when they take an actual deposition like uh, setting, you know, the, and one side gets four hours, the other guy gets four hours, and the other guy gets four hours. And it's, and, and you get, but, you know, it's, it's like the guy said, we can ask, uh, by the time we set up a question and they do all this stuff. He says, we get one question in per person for five minutes. And you go through this back and forth, back and forth. Because they all grandstand. They yeah. want to get the, the gotcha question. Or the he says, stuff. where we can ask 5,000 questions in four hours. Yeah, yeah so, and you've uh, got all these paper trails and all these financial records and payments to Biden. And um, they, that's well, what. Yeah, they're finding out that he was getting a monthly payment out of Hunter's companies now. Yeah, well, and, and you know, um, Hunter's attorney is no fool. I mean, he's a smart guy. So when he said, no, we'll go before Congress, because he knows they can rig that. They can stage it and have people just turn the station because it's so boring. It really is listening to these guys just being outraged. And this is all Donald Trump's fault, and this is that. And, and, and it's just, uh Well, that's what that's what the Democrats will be saying. Oh, this is Trump did this. or And, and then they don't care what they actually say. And, no. uh if there's anything that we need to, above everything else that we need to clean up in Congress, is we need to make it so they cannot openly lie to us, because they do. You know, just like Harry Reid, well, it worked, and that, you know, just uh, and uh, you've got all this kind of stuff, and and guys like like they just threw this, uh, what's his name out of the out of the uh, house, uh, George, uh, what's that guy's last name? Santos. Santos, yeah. They just threw Santos out of a. Uh, how, how come they haven't, you know, uh, removed Swalwell and Nancy Pelosi and like so the other guys just lied to everybody and they're, you know, just and and, and violated. How about how about uh, Pelosi and 
and and Maxine Waters, who used insider information to get make stock deals and trade deals and become uh, Congressman Blumenauer from Oregon. I mean, they're they're legion. They're, they they break the rules. You're not supposed to use that insider information to personally financially gain, and they do. Yeah, they just do it. Some, but I'm just talking about the open lying and stuff that they did to. And, and and I'm sure if you look far enough back in there, you'll you'll find you know they were talking about uh, Santos having Botox treatments and stuff like this uh, on on it, using his campaign money. Well, look at look at Nancy Pelosi paying her daughter. You know, I mean she's paying her daughter what a quarter million dollars a year or three quarters of a million dollars a year, or something out of out of all those funds and, to run her campaign. Guys, yeah, all these guys are doing doing stuff like that, and you know that's what you're seeing with. Uh, and that's out of all the stuff that, uh, you know, that's why they're so scared. Trump is part of it is look what he's exposed. We didn't, you know, we didn't, uh, we were, we we're just a dumb public out here and we knew there was graft taking place and everything, but she thought, Oh, they're sending an airport over to a, to a place, you know, uh, where, where it's really not going to service that many people, but it's, they put it in that guy's district. And, oh, well, yeah. And he gets some campaign money back. But see, now what we're finding out is, Oh no! What they do is they sit there and they approve funding for this. It goes to some business or something there. Then they put a relative on the board, and they're kicking, you know, somebody that doesn't know anything. And then they're kicking money over to that person way over, and it's going back right, right directly into the pockets, not into a campaign or something. It's going right in the pockets of the of the politicians or crooks is what they are. They're crooks. It's unreported cash. It's the, they're not paying. Oh taxes. no! And they go in there and they're, you know. Middle-income folks, and they come out multi-millionaires. It's it. Yeah, uh, and if, they, if you did something like that, if they caught a businessman doing something like that, they they hang him from the trees. Right? I know. And, yeah. and and all this kind of stuff. And you know, the, the IRS. Okay, let's let's go ahead and get all these agents that are IRS agents and everything. And the first people they audit, from top to bottom, are all the people in public office. Yeah. And all, all all the people that are that have top positions in the. Uh, in administrations and everything, you know, the Fauci's of the world, and the, uh, you know, Lois Lerner's and, and, uh, and all those. And I, I'm, I'm talking about non-biased agents that really know what they're doing. And that, those, so they, so they uh, audit those, those, uh, you know, 18 or 20 or 30,000 people first. And then they can come to the rest of us after they find out about that. And see, and that, you know, the other thing too is, is we need to get all these guys where they're living under the same tent the rest of us are. You know, take away all their all their big privileges to, uh, you know, they, they've already got privileges as far as a lot of other things that they do. But why don't they live on Social Security? Why don't they live on, uh, you know, have to do their own investments and stuff like that instead of uh, these sweetheart deals where they get, you know, a guy serves a couple terms in Congress and he retires with the money that he's making for, for all those uh, for the rest of his life or whatever, you know, so just doesn't seem uh, quite right. Well, there's a there's an article about how the uh, uh, the U.S. intelligence, the CIA, is talking about uh, Washington Post, owned by big tech uh, Amazon, is effectively the PR firm of the Central Intelligence Agency. No one inside the D.C. belt way does not understand that basic truth and that's sort of been a consensus for a long time therefore when the husband of state department official victoria newland 
A man named Robert Kagan writes an op-ed in the CIA newsletter effectively calling for President Trump to, to receive the Julius Caesar treatment. The non-subtle message is for the CIA to repeat their Kennedy performance and kill President Trump. They, they, they get away with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I, I really still think that we should move, I think we should cl- close down Washington, D.C., absorb it into uh, Maryland and, uh, and uh, uh, Virginia, and move the capital to the middle of Wyoming. And what we do is, uh, no, I, I, I'm actually serious, that's right in the middle of the United States, and what we do is we build a big complex there, we build some you know, uh, and your state will be responsible by, like, they'll build uh, 50 uh, or 100 senatorial units. They can all be three-bedroom condos or whatever like that. You do the same thing for the House. You build condos and stuff. When those guys are elected, they take that. You know, the, the, there's one, one assigned to the state. And they take that, and they live in that. And they have some theaters and grocery stores and things like that. But we know exactly who's coming in and going out of that place. And uh, and they get in there, they do their business, and when the business is done, they go home. And and uh, if you did that, it wasn't such a, you know, all these people coming into D.C. and all the parties and all this kind of get the damn business of the people done and get back home. You you, you deserve to be out in your district and take the heat for your decisions, and uh, and and know what the people these people don't know what the hell uh, what the normal guys talking about out here and everything. Just like the news media, they won't they won't. The news media, so many of them won't leave their damn desk anymore. No, I mean, you know, uh, they, they don't have they, to anymore with, with they, technology. Certain, they they can well, do everything certain, from their desk. All, they can do everything from home at home. It's circular reporting. All they're doing is saying, "Oh, that they read this guy's story." That's why these stories that get made up, they, they get legs on them because this this guy goes and he writes over here, and then somebody else reads it and says, "Oh, you know," and then they call and uh, from what I understand. Sometimes they're using the person that's writing the story as the source, you know, and, and the guys, well, he's got an anonymous source. Well, they're the anonymous source. and They have no evidence of it. That's why you get so many uh, lies. And, you know, just, and, and I don't know whatever happened to editors. You know, I mean, they just, man, you know, it's just it, that's why you can't trust almost anything that you that you read anymore or, or see on TV a lot of times even. From mainstream media is because they just won't, they won't do it, you know. And then just, uh, and of course, it's like, uh, did you see that statement? From, uh, uh, Trump was making a statement uh, out of Iowa this weekend, and Arthel Neville was on, and right away she says, "Well, you know, there it is. We we were fact checked this, and we know the election wasn't thrown, and we know it was, you know, all this, and and, and, and I mean, they cut away from what Trump was saying because." She makes that statement. It's just like what people just coming unglued with that bird. So the, so the so the weekend anchor at, at Fox gets to negate what Donald Trump is saying. So she gets yeah. she with no, you know, who do they, uh, who do they think reader, she is? Yeah, a reader of the news. She's not even out there doing. No, she's terrible. I've always thought yeah. she was terrible. Yeah, and uh, and you know, she's just been a reader of the news. You know, this is what. What it amounts to, you know, just uh, it, so so they're giving her more weight than uh, you know. Uh, see, I get frustrated talking about this stuff, but uh, like we're, you know, like I was telling you the other day, we, you know, what happens? And there's a lot of us out here. Uh, I'm one of those people who believes that you slam your head against the wall to 
12 times. And on the 13th time that you do it, the wall gives way. You, know, <laughs> you might have a few bruises on your head, but the wall gives way, you know, finally. And uh, that's kind of what's going on right now. Like you were talking about Nikki Haley and all that kind of who Nobody's talking about Nikki Haley. You know, those guys are just throwing money unless they're going to fix the votes. Well, it's interesting. All of a sudden, Chris Christie, who is not in any poll up at 6%, He's he qualified to be in this latest debate. How did that happen? They want yeah. the, the Republican establishment wants a pit bull in there against Trump. Yeah, and and see, and the whole thing it is is that nobody, nobody trusts Christie anymore anyway. No, but uh, but, but he'll yeah. be a pit bull until that will be good. Yeah. they're scared. Could, they're really scared. He, they're pulling out all the stops right now against he Trump. Be the foil so that uh, Haley and even DeSantis has somebody to go against everything. But uh, the the uh, problem is, is that the mistake those people made, and they would be doing better, Sanders and Haley would both be better doing doing better in the polls if they were to actually acknowledge the good stuff that Trump did. You know, just say, hey, you, whether you like him or not, Trump did do this or he started that. We want to extend it. We want to do They it. actually were sort of started like that. They sort of started like that. And, and but the, the, with each... I mean, I don't think Nikki Haley can be gracious for five minutes. I mean, I, she's just well, become so annoying to me. I, I've written, I, in fact, I think I even wrote you uh, a short statement last day or so that, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Trump gets back in. He's just, there's to be no place, no place at all in his administration for her. No, she's, uh, she's you know, just God is her. Oh, she'd become the darling of the Never Trumpers. She's their vehicle. Yeah. They don't want DeSantos. And I mean, so they. I mean, you, 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 it's politics and it's a rough and tumble game. And you say things about your opponents and all this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's... And, and you have difference of opinions. I mean, you know, uh, but look at Dr. Ben Carson, you know. I mean, you know, you, you didn't have any problem making him, uh, uh, let's see, urban, what was it, an urban? HUD, housing yeah, urban uh, development. Yeah, yeah. and, um, but, but you didn't have any problems with him. You didn't have any problems with Perry uh, making him energy. Secretary, you know, all this kind of thing, because they they were uh, even even though they had a different opinion, while they, they it was close enough that they could work the details out, they became good good uh, people to have on your on your um, uh, on the board, you know, the the uh, your cabinet. Yeah, the cabinet. Thank you. Uh, just uh, and, and but I, you know, I would trust Nikki Haley now. Um, no, no, I'm I'm saying I'm saying I. I mean, if it's if it's Biden Haley, I'm gonna I'm gonna have real problems. I really yeah. don't like her, and well, I didn't no, used to feel that way before this campaign. I just find her very, and I I really fear that she will get us into World War Four. Well, it's not like she, that. she gets us into but, World War Three. I mean, she is she's own. She's she's not. She she in order for her to stay in the race right. And it's an ego thing because she says, I've never lost and I've tried, uh, you know, but in order for her to stay in the race right now, who knows what kind of deal she's making with these people. But uh, Well, Jamie Diamond, yeah. you know, I mean, Jamie Diamond is, is, is the king of the new world order. Really, he really is. And so that's the message we want. We don't want Trump. We want her. She's our puppet. And we're going to flood yeah. money into her, even though she's, you know, she's. Okay, she's doubled her percentage. What is she at eight percent now in some of the polls? Uh, just, 
And not only that, but what are all these people that, that vowed that they would support whoever the nominee was? What are they going to do when Trump gets the nomination? They'll vote for they'll, they'll vote for Biden. Well, yeah, but they said they were going to, you know, see, there, there's the first sign. They said they were going to support whoever the nominee was, and then they're not going to. Well, so yeah, I mean, what? I, I understand that some people not wholeheartedly, uh, you know, some. I mean, guys, guys say things in campaigns that can really hurt people's feelings and feel, you know, they feel slighted and everything. But I mean, you know, most of the time they used to put a good face on it and still support the person, you know, just and then maybe they get a cabinet position or some later on, or you know, a la Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, you know. But just, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, they're they're going so far down the road that they almost can't do it. Now, now, do you see also where Texas is trying to get it on their ballot or things to uh, consider leaving the, uh, becoming independent again? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to be a hard one to well, pull Well, but, but remember Kasich? He was one of those, oh, well, support the nominee. But was, yeah, yeah, until, until, he, until uh, it was Trump. Yeah, until he got burned into the vice presidency slot. Yeah, just uh, yeah. You don't hear much about Casey anymore, do you? No, and I used to like him. Well, yeah, but, but there was a time when you know, you know, but there was a lot of people. But but look at some of those guys that uh, Michael, um, oh, the guy that used to run the RNC, the black guy, uh, Steele. Steele. I mean, look at him. I mean, I'm sitting there going, well, you know, um, you know, these guys. What you're starting to realize, these guys are just con guys. They can, they're, they're, they're playing the con and that's all it is, is that you look at anything, I mean, they can, they can look right at you and tell you that, you know, yeah, I'm not going to, uh, you know, that's, that's blue when it's actually red, you know, just, uh, and, and they just, I mean, they'll, uh, they'll look at you and tell you anything you want to hear and, and all that just, uh, just to further. The and world, their egos know. just could not remember yeah. all these people, every single one of them looks in the mirror in the morning and thinks. They they're going to be president someday. Every single one of them, except yeah. maybe Fetterman. Uh, but they all think that, and they all think they they're doing something special, and they're entitled, and they're just and they're going to. They're all like that. They're even the best and the brightest, and the, and the, and they all think they're extraordinary, and their egos are insatiable. It's it's it, and it plays into their so whatever they do and if they get somebody gets in their way like Donald Trump has with so many of these these establishment Republicans they they just become consumed with rage. Look at I well, mean Liz Cheney is a perfect they, example. Yeah, they upset her tea cart. Now uh, well, speaking is, of the tea cart, we got to be upset because the show's over. Oh. Yeah. Okay. D- Dave is going to hang up on us. Let us go. All that. We'll do this again on Thursday night for the Jane Carver <laughs> Show.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.